It has begun. What has? Miracles. Signs and wonders. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. That's from the trailer for the new TV series, The Chosen. It's about the life of Jesus and the men and women who walked the earth with him. One of the amazing things about The Chosen is how it came to be. Not through a big-name Hollywood studio, but through ordinary people who crowdfunded $10 million in a matter of months. That doesn't happen in Hollywood, uh, and it doesn't happen in, in independent filmmaking either, but God did impossible math. I would have lost heart had I not believed You know all the plans you have for me I would have lost heart had I not resolved There is no good thing that you Dallas Jenkins is the creator of The Chosen. He's about to take us along on a wild ride that led him to this moment. It's a story of failure, faith, and God's impossible math. You're listening to GPS, God People Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. You're going to hear Dallas explain how God called him to undertake a huge project in a rather unorthodox way. Then you're going to hear Billy Graham say a word about what that looks like. God will be with you. You won't be alone. I'm with you till the end of the age, said Jesus. He will be there with you. You are never alone when you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can tell you more at our website. The address is findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Or you can call our 24-7 prayer line. The number is 888-388-2683. Again, that's 888-388-2683. And we have it and our website in the show notes. GPS. God. People. Stories. I grew up in the Midwest uh, in a very strong evangelical home. Dallas Jenkins also grew up with a famous father. His dad, Jerry B. Jenkins, co-wrote the very well-known Left Behind book series with Tim LaHaye. Those books portrayed a fictional but biblically-based story of what the rapture and the end of the world could look like. Jerry Jenkins also served as the chairman of the board for the Moody Bible Institute. So it's safe to say Dallas Jenkins was saturated with Christian culture and media. And he was also very aware of non-Christian media. When I was growing up, media from the Christian world was just so weak. Um, and I didn't. I, I felt like there was always this disconnect between um, what I was watching on regular television and, and, and movies and, and seeing how great that was. But then anytime that there was movies or TV or videos um, uh, based from my faith, it, it, they were always lacking. And I, wasn't, I didn't find myself emotionally engaged, and it, particularly when it came to Bible projects. Dallas didn't grow up dreaming about creating exceptional Christian films. He was way more interested in sports than movies until his freshman year of high school. I saw the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest on television uh, with Jack Nicholson, and that's when it kind of everything changed for me. I just remember thinking, uh, I don't know what that is, but I know that I want to do that. Even though he wanted to be a filmmaker, Dallas didn't head to Hollywood or even to a filmmaking school after graduation. Instead, he felt drawn to Northwestern College, a Bible school in St. Paul, Minnesota, where, by the way, Billy Graham 
once served as college president, the youngest in the country at the time, as a matter of fact. But that was years before Dallas was on campus. Back then, there wasn't a whole lot of options in the Christian college space for filmmaking. It was very limited, and and uh, I felt really drawn towards Northwestern for whatever reason. It turns out that's where I met my wife, so I'm sure that's where God was was steering me. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't actually college where I did the, the most of my film education. I think it was after college when I got a job working for a film company that was producing the Left Behind movies, and and uh, that's when I really started immersing myself in in my education. It was also around that time when Dallas began to struggle with a dark side of filmmaking, watching pornography. This is when the internet was starting to grow and pornography was becoming easier to access. And I I, I started to struggle with that for a brief amount of time. And God just got my attention pretty quickly. God allowed Dallas's secret sin to be exposed early on, something Dallas is thankful for. I got caught. I, I was exposed for it. And I just, like, before I could get too deep into uh, a deeper sin pattern, I think God had the grace to kind of get my attention. And uh, I remember that was kind of a moment where I was like, I, I really need to pursue uh, purity and holiness as much as possible, um, more so than I have been. And um, I think God just kind of really got a hold of my heart and, and the forgiveness that I experienced from my family and from my uh, from my my, my future wife, um, I think really kind of rocked me in a, in a, in a positive way. And I think that's a moment where I can look back on and say, yeah, that's when, um, again, my faith was real, but that's when I also really got devoted to, like, I'm going to give my life to God as, as, and, and to Christ as much as humanly possible. Dallas married his college sweetheart, and he and Amanda are still going strong more than 20 years and four children later. A few years into that marriage, about 2005, Dallas sensed God calling him to take his filmmaking career to a higher level. I felt like God spoke to me in a in not an audible voice, but kind of really laid it on my heart that I was to do my filmmaking for him. You know, I'd kind of had this perspective of, yeah, I'm not a Christian filmmaker. I'm just a filmmaker who happens to be Christian. I don't really care much about faith-based films. They're not really, they, they tend to not be very good. It's not really what my calling is. And God kind of got a hold of my heart then too and said, no, you're going to do films for me and you're going to do films about my people. A large church in Chicago hired Dallas to make faith-based movies. That led to an amazing opportunity that was born out of an unusual partnership. It consisted of a church, a producer of horror films, and the WWE, as in the wrestling organization. Dallas can explain. A producer by the name of Jason Blum, who's known for some of the biggest and most successful horror films of all time, which sounds crazy, but he had seen my short film and wanted to dip his toe into the faith-based waters, even though he wasn't a believer, but he thought there was a really interesting opportunity for faith-based movies. And then um, he he got financing from uh, WWE, the wrestling company, um, and they have a film division. And so, uh, But they loved this project that I was developing, and they wanted to do faith-based films with me. And they even said, you're going to control the content. You're not, you're not going to have to water down the content. We believe in this content. So a horror film company, a wrestling company, and a church in Elgin, Illinois, uh, all combined to make the movie The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, which is an unabashedly Christian film with a strong gospel message. Dallas poured himself into The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, and he was thrilled when test audiences loved it. It looked like the movie, which was made not by a Hollywood studio, but by a church, could actually become a box office hit. And then the movie came out in theaters, and the movie was a total bomb. Uh, no, I'll never forget it. The, the box office numbers were lower than their lowest projections. 
it was just very confusing. And so my wife and I were home alone and we were crying and we were confused and praying. And God laid it very, very powerfully on my wife's heart as, as clearly as though it was audible. Two things. One was the, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And the other was this phrase, I do impossible math. And she just felt like God was saying that so clearly to her. Dallas and Amanda had read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 many times. They read it again, trying to understand what God was showing them and hoping he would somehow resurrect their box office bomb. But he didn't. But listen to what happened next. Dallas was up late, 4 o'clock in the morning, working on his computer, analyzing everything that had gone wrong with the resurrection of Gavin Stone. And then a Facebook message popped up. It wasn't from a close friend or family member, but from someone Dallas didn't know very well. It didn't say hi, it didn't say hello, it didn't say heard about your movie. It just said, remember, your job is not to feed the 5,000, it's only to provide the loaves and fish. First of all, my response was to think that maybe my computer had been recording what my wife and I had been saying, because I had no idea how this guy who I barely knew, uh, what would lead him to say that. So my first response was, why are you up at four o'clock in the morning? And he said, well, I'm in Romania. I'm on a different time zone. I'm visiting my brother. And I said, why did you tell me that? And he said, oh, it wasn't me. God just led me to, God just wanted me to share that with you. And it rocked me. Dallas knew instantly that God was involved in the process after all. That night, he began to realize it's not his job to control the results. Only God can do that. And so my job was solely to make sure that whatever loaves and fish that I brought to the table uh, literally or, or figuratively, were as good and healthy as they could be so that if God chose to accept them, then that, that was all I was responsible for. And that if he chose to multiply them, that wasn't my job. God had used a crushing failure to open Dallas's eyes to something bigger. But it didn't seem big at the time. It was a short Christmas time film Dallas made for his church. It portrayed the birth of Jesus from the perspective of the shepherds in the fields nearby. That was a very small loaf and a very small fish. But I was open to doing that, even though it felt like a, 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 you know, a downgrade from doing a feature film with Hollywood producers. But I was okay with it because I was genuinely okay with and genuinely pleased with the notion that all I was responsible for was to just provide whatever loaves and fish I had, and the rest was up to him. God was about to do some multiplication that would blow Dallas's mind. That short film about the shepherds went viral. And Dallas had already been thinking about the possibility of creating more films on the life of Jesus. The idea that came to me when I was kind of making that short film of, wow, there's never been a multi-season show about the life of Christ. And that could allow us to explore the stories of Jesus and the stories of the Gospels even more aggressively and more deeply than ever before. Here's how quickly things moved. The short film about the shepherds went viral just before Christmas in 2017. People loved the half-hour film so much, they started giving to a crowdsourced project to create the first season of a new series about the life of Jesus. Within six months, 19,000 people had raised $10 million. When we ended up shattering the all-time crowdfunding record and raising over $10 million from 19,000 people around the world based on this short film I did on my friend's farm, we looked at the numbers and my wife was sitting with me at the computer and she turned to me with tears in her eyes and she said, I do impossible math. God is pressing on my heart again that that's what he meant by that. And we had no idea a year before what that meant, but now a year later, it all seemed to make sense. And that God was saying, yeah, I do impossible math. None of this makes sense, but that's what I wanted from you. I wanted you to be in that place where you were just content to provide the loaves and fish. And that phrase, impossible math, has come to fruition so many times in the last two years. 
The first four episodes of The Chosen were released around Easter of 2019. In less than two years, Dallas and his team had raised $10 million, filmed and produced half of the first season, and distributed it around the world, all while completely circumventing the traditional Hollywood avenues most TV shows rely on. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable pacing. I mean, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen in Hollywood, uh, and it doesn't happen in, in independent filmmaking either, but God did impossible math. And here's some more impossible math. The Chosen is now available in 180 countries for anyone to watch for free. The show can be watched through its own app and streamed on pretty much any device you can think of. It's an unprecedented use of global technology, and people are watching. This past Easter, for instance, as millions of us were stuck at home because of COVID-19, the Chosen app was being downloaded 100,000 times a day and watched in nearly every country on Earth. The show has also been getting rave reviews from both viewers and critics. I think that what people are responding to is, I mean, there's several things, but I think the number one thing is authenticity. Um, I feel like the show, what people say when they watch it is that it feels so real, it feels so human. I've seen most of the Jesus movies and miniseries ever made, and uh, there are a few things that we're able to do by doing this in a show that, that aren't done in movies when you're when when you've got a limited amount of time and you're kind of going from bible verse to bible verse and miracle to miracle and you don't have a chance to really connect with or explore the depth of the stories or the people involved and so what we're doing is we're taking um, these well-known stories from scripture and in many ways working backwards to explore what would have led to these moments. And so when you watch a multi-season show, one of the things that typically makes them so powerful for people is the characters. Dallas is quick to point out that while the show is intended to stay true to the stories you read in the Bible, it isn't the actual Bible. The Chosen takes the dramatic license of creating dialogue and backstories for the people who knew Jesus. Just to use a quick example, John chapter 3 the most famous chapter in the Bible, the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. We've spent several episodes leading up to that moment, exploring what Nicodemus may have been experiencing, what would have caused him to believe in Jesus when everyone else in his religious order didn't. And we explore some of those scenarios using historical research, cultural research, some artistic imagination. And people say that when they watch that scene in episode seven, it's monumentally, emotionally, and spiritually impactful for them because we've taken the time to explore the context behind it. We hear from people every single day saying, I've never read my Bible more than I have since I've watched this show. I've never, I feel like I've fallen in love with Jesus more than I ever have because of this show. And that's drawing them to scripture, which is, I think, evidence of the fact that it is um, a godly project. Because I think if it wasn't a godly project, people wouldn't be drawn to scripture. They'd be using this as a replacement for scripture which is something we, of course, don't want. And of course, uh, we're happy to see that has not been the case. Making this series has continuously drawn Dallas and his wife, Amanda, closer to God. He has always provided just what they need for the next show, not a moment too soon and not a moment too late. And while they did raise $10 million for season one, they're relying on viewers and supporters to raise what's needed for the next season. One of the ways they're keeping this project going is through a pay-it-forward feature on the Chosen app. It allows people who love the show to make a donation that allows others to continue to watch for free. Creating a show that relies so heavily on donations can be nerve-wracking. But Dallas and Amanda continue to see God provide what they need, whether it's funding or a few hundred computer-generated fish. There's a famous scene from episode four 
uh, of the the miracle of the fish when when Jesus calls Simon Peter to follow him and and, and has him cast his net on the other side of the boat and he catches hundreds of fish after he'd been up all night not catching anything. And four days before we were scheduled to shoot that scene, we didn't have fish, we didn't have a boat, we didn't have a lake. The special boat they needed for the scene was still under construction. Rain had flooded the shore of the lake, making it unusable, and all of their efforts to get a boatload of fish had fallen through. But Dallas didn't freak out. He remembered that it wasn't his job to make things happen. He just needed to provide whatever he could and let God do the rest. And sure enough, on the day of the filming, the lake had gotten down to the right level. Uh, The boat was coming around the bend with the paint still drying, but it was ready. And our visual effects guys said, we're, you know, we're going to, if you can just film the scene in this way and you fill the net with a big green burrito, as we called it, it was a green tarp filled with, uh, with green water balloons. Uh, if you can get that into the boat, we will replace that with, uh, with fish uh, later in post-production and uh, on the computer, and uh, we think we can make it look good. And it sounded like a ridiculous idea. They weren't even totally sure, but we just went for it. And sure enough, it's become one of the great scenes of the show and one of the most memorable scenes and most impactful scenes in the show. All over the world, people have been moved by watching these ancient stories come to life. And we joined Dallas and Amanda in praying that countless people would be drawn to Jesus through the chosen. Now, of course, Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus, is not Jesus. And he would be the first person to tell you that. But I do believe the show... Is, a, is an accurate portrayal of, of, of the Son of God um, and that when you watch it, you're going to be drawn closer to Jesus, uh, to, the, to the authentic Jesus, to the real Jesus and to the Gospels. And that's my goal. I want to draw people closer to an authentic Jesus. I'm going to tell everyone. <laughs> I was counting on it. <laughs> Dallas Jenkins created The Chosen to help people understand that Jesus is real, that he's alive, and that he wants you to know him. That would be our prayer for you, too. And we'd be honored to help you begin a relationship with Jesus. Visit us at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. From there, you can learn more about who Jesus is and even chat with one of our 24-7 volunteers. Again, that's findpeacewithgod.net. So what can you expect to see in season two of The Chosen? Dallas will be back in just a minute to tell us. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. God plus one. One man believing in God. One man trusting God. One man taking up the responsibility God laid on his shoulders. Billy Graham. What about you? One person committed to Jesus Christ is important in the sight of God. If God should suddenly come and say to you, I want you to do thus and so, something far beyond your ability, and it looked absolutely crazy and ridiculous, but one with God, God will be with you. You won't be alone. I'm with you till the end of the age, said Jesus. He will be there with you. Yes, tonight, God is interested in you. You tonight, surrendered totally to Christ, could be mightily used 
if you gave your heart and your life to him? Yes, Jesus died for you. He died on the cross that you might come to know him as Lord and as Savior. If you'd like to hear the rest of that message, just go to our website. It's billygramradio.org. Click on the Billy Graham Audio Archives and then search for the title of the message, which is God Plus You. Again, that's billygramradio.org and the title of the message is God Plus You. Or you can use the link in the show notes. Our guest in this episode of GPS has been Dallas Jenkins, the creator of the TV show The Chosen. Fans of the show are eagerly awaiting season two. COVID-19 has caused some delays, but Dallas told us the plans for the new episodes are still very much in the works. What season two explores, I think, primarily is what happens when Jesus's fame increases. Um, As the word starts to spread, that has both good and bad consequences. So the good thing is more people are coming to him to be healed. The word is spreading. Uh, People are believing in the Messiah, which is great. But of course, with that comes a lot of uh, resistance, and the Pharisees and the Romans are starting to pay attention. And so, how do the disciples react to that? Uh, how does uh, how do you know? We also explore the interpersonal nature of this. Uh, you know, Simon Peter uh, is not a big fan of Matthew, the tax collector. No Jews were a fan of tax collectors at that time, but now they've been put in the same team. You know, following Jesus. How how do we make sense of all that? The interpersonal relationships are something we really explore. We want to thank Dallas Jenkins for taking the time to share his story and the story of The Chosen with us. We also want to say a big thank you to the Newsboys and Laura Story for allowing us to use some of their music in this episode of GPS. And we want to share with you one last time our 24-hour prayer line number. It is staffed by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association team, and you can find them at 888-388-2683 right now. Someone is ready to listen and to pray with you. 888-388-2683. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. me.